Welcome to the All Things Nintendo podcast. I'm Brian Jay from Game Informer. This is a weekly podcast discussing all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. We are currently, as you can probably hear in the background, at Summer Game Fest 2023, checking out all the biggest games that are coming up on the horizon. I am joined by a two-time, two-time Game Informer uh, or uh, All Things Nintendo host. Something about guest. something like that. Yeah, you've been on at least it's at, at least, least two twice. Times. At least twice, guest. Jill Grote. Jill, <laughs> welcome back. How are you? I'm very well. I'm tired. I am excited. I am going in all places in all directions at all times for all things nintendo exactly yeah i just kind of grabbed you i was like hey are you like green for the next 30 minutes because i want to talk about all the stuff that we're seeing at summer game fest and there's a lot of it a Um, lot of great stuff we are going to run down so this is how this episode's going to go apologies for any background noise on one side of us it is a los angeles street yep and on the other side there are meetings going on um so What we're going to do is we're going to run down some of the games that we have seen, some of the announcements that have come out of Summer Game Fest. There's not actually that many Switch games that were discussed during the Summer Game Fest streams. Um, However, we're going to talk about those. And then on the tail end of this, you're going to get a couple of interviews from developers that I have discussed their games, uh, two of the biggest games that we're talking about on here. So look forward to that on the tail end of this Mm -hmm. before we wrap up here. But uh, I guess let's kick some things off here. Like, what was the biggest announcement that you were excited for for uh, out of the Summer Game Fest and Day, Day of the Devs stream? So, Summer Game Fest showcase was very interesting for me because it was one of those things where I was covering it as a journalist, but not a ton of indies popping up at the show. I was a little surprised. Like, I know um, they, they did have Day of the Devs as, as sort of part of it, and they ushered people to watch it. Um, but I think the biggest thing that came out, and I believe this came out on Switch, uh, you can cut it out if it didn't, but um, <laughs> it was Yes, Your Grace was yeah. the big one. The Snowfall, uh, I think it's an expansion. I don't think it's a whole mm-hmm. new uh, sequel. But that game is so incredibly, like, it'll pull you in and you can't get out again. And I just take it way too seriously. The idea is you are, you are... The your grace in the yes your grace you're kind of running your kingdom and things are not going well and you know you're headed towards war so you're kind of keeping that in mind but then you've got like your personal things that start happening you've got are you going to make alliances are you going to make uh enemies are you going to help this person and like deplete your armies or are you going to like marry off your daughter and she's going to be angry with you or it's just all of that so the moment to moment is just it's sort of like a management sim but you're managing your kingdom resources (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah and and i think that was actually one of my guests eShop gems of the week yeah so So. i mean it is i I believe it is on switch because i have we've talked about it on the show before okay Uh, i mean it better be if it's an (laughs) eShop gem of the week sure hope so it'd be real hard to be happy playstation store gem of the week get out of here playstation (laughs) so this is your first before we jump into the actual games themselves yeah this was your first summer game fest how are you liking it yeah um I am really enjoying the kind of attitude. Like I've been to E3s, those are so large and sort of impersonal. You would run into people in the hallways, but you would basically not see anyone because they'd be in closed doors or whatever. But I keep running into everyone. Mm -hmm. So like, obviously everybody in the GI crew loves seeing you guys. But also people who I'm just like tangentially related to or friends of friends. And I finally get to meet them in person in the flesh. And there are people I've met 
here that I've known forever, like Alex Stadnik is here. Yeah. And I, uh, former uh, video editor, game former, if anybody needs that context, um, that's the first time I've ever met him physically. <laughs> He's a giant. He's a giant of a man. You, you don't expect it. Yeah. And oh, yeah. his heart is as big. Yes, it is. And that, you understand where the term big man energy came when Game Informer show was doing that. So. so it's like, it's very nice to have a sort of more pared down, but everyone is here and I feel like there's more connection to the games. There's more connection to the people who are covering it. I've had some great experiences. Everybody's just kind of relaxed and enjoying themselves. And I wish it was a little longer. I know. But um, besides that, it's, it's been absolutely fantastic. So we're recording this on the tail end of the first day. Yep. And it was wild because, like, you know, I had some interviews, I had some appointments, and I looked down and it was, like, 2.30. And I was like, because it goes until 5 or 6, I forget which when it actually wraps up, but I was like, wow, like, we're almost the end of the first of two days. Yeah. Like, I feel like it needs an extra day yeah. to, like, feel like a full event. But I guess that's a whole other thing of, like, all right, well, now we have... All of these, uh, all, all these, the space that we have to rent out, all these staff members that are going to have to be working on a Sunday instead. But like, right. I, I don't know. I feel like it could be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But then, if you, I guess, if you count the stream, that itself takes up another day technically. Right. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that I can't even imagine the logistical nightmare that that is. Yeah. yeah. And I think it wouldn't it be great though if the screen opened up behind Jeff Healy and was like, "And let the play days begin," and we all just started playing the games we'd just seen. Well, then we'd have to all be at the YouTube theater, which is a little bit out of town. Yeah, that's why I actually didn't attend that. I was. I know I was very sad to miss you, but um, it was cold. If that makes you feel better. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel so much better. I had a really fun experience with. Uh, there's something different about seeing something in person. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the big things that I experienced was the speakers were turned up to like 11. So anytime anything happened, your your body kind of shook and you could feel it all the way through your soul. <laughs> so when the Mortal Kombat like fatalities were happening like rapid oh fire, God. I swear that they were killing me right then and there. It was another <laughs> fatality. I was just shaking in my seat. So I guess let's start there, Mortal Kombat 1. Mm -hmm an unlikely contender for a game coming to Switch. When you look at how good that game looks in action, yeah. like, it, it's wild that that game is coming to Switch, but, like, are you a big Mortal Kombat fan at all? I mean, like everybody, I don't think you can be in games and not have played Mortal Kombat, um, and I absolutely love Sub-Zero, so 100% gonna freeze people. Whoever that God of Fire is, I'm gonna take him down. Liu you Kang. Know? Yeah, I'm gonna get him. Uh, but not, I haven't been a huge fan of the sort of like modern interpretations of it. And I, I just sort of love that they're doing new things with it. I loved the energy in the room. There were people when I was in line, there were a lot of, there were a lot of fans. Sorry, these trash cans are precariously are, placed and keep getting knocked over. They were, they're trying to murder us, I think. What's happening? <laughs> second time this has happened in like five minutes. Um, there were a lot of fans at the event. I was surprised. I thought it would be like a larger percentage of journalists, but uh, a lot of people I talked to were like, Mortal Kombat's my number one reason why I'm here. So you wow. really felt the love in the room. I don't know how much of that came across like during the showcase, but the levels were high. People were just going wild for everything that was happening. And since I'm not that like knowledgeable about everything, Anytime people would start going, ooh, ah, I'm like, okay, this must be a new thing. And then you could like <laughs> take notes on it. Yeah, and it's it, it, it's a game that like they're carrying on the legacy of Mortal Kombat 
while also rebooting the entire world, right? Because mm -hmm. like basically at the end of Mortal Kombat 11, the story, like they did an expansion, and it basically like the the final fight is like for the end, like for the like who controls the apocalypse essentially, and like who wipes out all of reality, and what the canonical one is Liu Kang wins. And he decides to just basically rewrite the entire timeline as he sees fit. And I guess, like, he wrote, rewrote it as a peaceful timeline. So, like, the, nice. all the fighting was stopped. And I guess, like, all the people in the timeline are still, like, extremely, like, um, like, still, like, all about the fighting. So he's, like, trying to keep it together from what I understand. But, like, also some of that comes with, like, oh, well, now he's using his power and being a little tyrannical. And, like, I, I think he's gonna, probably going to be the bad guy by the end of the... Makes sense. ...end of the game. But... I actually got my hands on the game. Oh. I got to play it. Well, tell us about it. Well, you know, there's four playable characters. It was Liu Kang, Kenshi, Sub-Zero, and um, Katana. Okay. So those are the four playable characters. And then there were three cameo fighters. So cameo fighters are the, the new mechanic that they're adding in this one, where you can basically press one of the shoulder buttons, and the character will run in and perform an attack based on what direction you're pushing the, the, the D-pad. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you're pressing up, they'll perform, like, an aerial attack. If you're pressing down, they'll do, like, a lower attack or forward or back. Or whatever whatever direction you're putting, it'll, it'll be a different attack. And it's basically, like, an assist. Right. And there's, like, a, a cooldown meter on the top. So the, the characters were uh, Sonya Blade, Kano, and Jax. And they're the original versions of these characters. So, like, the Sonya Blade from Mortal Kombat 1 and the, uh, the Kano, I believe, from Mortal Kombat 1 and the Jax from Mortal Kombat 2... And not only do they have, like, a lot of the moves, because, like, they're not, like, fully-fledged characters. Right. However, they have these uh, the moves that you can choose, and, like, they're all, like, these classic moves that you can you remember from the games. And then you can, when you do the fatalities, you can also choose to do fatalities from those early games. So, like, if, <laughs> say, you choose, like, Sub-Zero as your cameo player. He was not available in the build that I played. But Sub-Zero could do, like, his Mortal Kombat 1 fatality where he just, like, freezes them and rips their head off. Uh -huh. And, like... Kano, his fatality as like a, a cameo fighter is he rips their chest, that rips the heart out of their chest, and it's uh, it's very cool to see those side by side with like these because the, the fatality has just gotten so much more intricate over the years. Yes. But yeah, the production values are cr incredible on that game. I'm I'm curious to see how it'll look on Switch. So I was playing on PS5, um, but I, I you'll hear it later on in this conversation. One of the interviews that we're going to have at the tail end of this episode is Ed Boon, the co-creator yep. of the franchise mm -hmm. and the director of Mortal Kombat One. Had a very good reception in the showcase. That must be fun. Yeah, he's he's great. He's always a good interview, and you'll hear it in there. But uh, the big takeaway for me was it sounds like they have an experienced team working on the Switch port, and it will also be local. And oh. the, the, they wanted to run at 60 frames per second. So that was my big takeaway from that interview. But there's also a whole lot more just talking about the game conceptually, talking a little bit about the history of the franchise. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving what I'm playing in Mortal Kombat 1. I got to play with Wesley LeBlanc and Alex Van Aken. They swung by and we did that. We, we had kind of like a, a three-man tournament going on. Okay, big question. Who won? I did not lose a single match. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm interested in the fact that you didn't say you won, though. Just that you did Well, it wasn't lose. like an actual tournament. It was uh -huh, just kind of like... Uh-huh. I see how it is. Like, I played Wesley for a little bit, and then I let Alex... Act. I don't think I actually played Alex at all. I just I played Wesley a little bit, and then I was like, hey, I played for a while, because I played against the CPU before uh -huh. Wesley arrived. And then um, Alex came by, and I was like, hey, you can jump on now, so we all have our hands on it. But, yeah, it's incredible. I'm really looking forward to it. And, like... 
just the notion of like, all right, all these classic characters are coming back in addition to all these like new versions of these familiar characters because like a lot of the characters are being reimagined as well. So it's something that I'm very much looking forward to. I love fighting games. And it's so nice that it's coming to Switch because, you know, Street Fighter VI, not coming to Switch. Yeah. Tekken 8, not coming to Switch. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a nice change of pace to have one of these big AAA fighting games coming to Switch. Yeah, 100%. So we'll have more on Mortal Kombat 1 on the tail end of this episode when we talk to Ed Boon. Uh, the other interview that we're going to try to have some some of our conversation on this episode is for Sonic Superstars. Ooh. So, and it's a, it's a game that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Sonic fan, so I'm very excited for that. Um, I did get my hands on it. And my big concern when, I, when that game was revealed during the Summer Game Fest stream was, is this going to look good and play like garbage? Because yeah. that was a little bit of what we got with Sonic 4 back in 2011, I think that was. I'll go with it. You're so the Sonic it, expert. It's been over a decade since that game came out. <laughs> and like the, the Sonic 4 was like, oh, wow, we're, we're continuing on the numbered entries and everything. And then it played kind of like garbage. But it looked okay, I guess. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the art direction or like some of the animations. But like, yeah, it's an HD version of a 2D Sonic game, but then it played like crap. Sonic Superstars looks amazing in motion, and it plays really well. That's a good combination. I would say maybe slightly less good feeling than Sonic Mania, which Sonic Mania is okay. the best playing Sonic game ever, regardless of era, regardless of like 2D, 3D, whatever. Uh -huh. Sonic Mania is just the tightest controlling Sonic game. Sonic Superstars maybe comes in just below that based on what I played, uh -huh. but man, it uh, it does it, it delivers on what you want from a modernized Sonic game. And the, the comparison I keep drawing to people when they ask me about it is, it's like New Super Mario Brothers. Right. What that game did for the Mario 2D franchise, that's Ooh. what it sounds. That's what it seems like Sonic is going to do. Because there's also four-player co-op. Is oh yeah. What are you gonna? Oh, I guess you would be doing the same things as you would be doing with other co-op games. And it's nice because all the characters have distinct abilities. So like it's Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy. So like Sonic has this drop dash. So like if you hold the jump button when you're in the air and he hits the ground, it's almost like he like has a peel out type of mechanic okay. that was introduced in Sonic Mania and it's been included in Sonic Origins as well. But that's like become like a mainstay of his move set now. And then uh, you know, Tails can obviously fly, Knuckles can glide and climb, and Amy has her hammer, which she can attack with, or she can do a uh, like a double jump with it. Okay. And yeah, it's it plays really well. There's there's uh, emerald powers, which like the one that I got to play was um, Avatar. It was called. And Ooh. basically, every time you get a Chaos Emerald, uh -huh. it allows you to, um, like, you unlock a new ability. So, like, if you get one Chaos Emerald, you get this ability. If you get two Chaos Emeralds, you get another ability. And you can select it using the stick. Right. And then whenever you press the button to use your Emerald powers, whatever one is selected, and it operates on a cooldown. And so, like, Avatar, what that does is it summons a legion of clones that just run at whatever, from oh. one side of the screen to the other and it takes out the enemies on the screen or destroys obstacles. I used it on one of the boss battles and it like destroyed the boss, <laughs> it was amazing. So yeah, that was uh, that was a really good time. I really had a, a, a great time playing that game. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to learning more about that and we will learn more about that 100%. at the tail end of this episode when uh, Takashi Izuka, who is the longtime head of Sonic Team, he was the director of uh, Sonic, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, uh, I believe Sonic Heroes, all the way up maybe through Sonic Unleashed, I, I don't know, but he's been overseeing it ever since. Mm -hmm. um, I think Sonic 3 and Knuckles was really when he stepped into the spotlight as a designer. And uh, yeah, he's been with the franchise for through the ups and the downs. And it's 
you'll hear the relief in his voice when we talk a little bit about like the state of the franchise now. Um, uh -huh. And yeah, it's a it was a, it was a fun interview. It's always great to catch up with him, and you can tell he knows a lot about this franchise. Yeah. I mean. He's been with it for almost 30 years at this point. And it sounds like you're really hot on it. Yeah, I, I'm, of course, when you see that game, your one concern is, all right, but does it play well? Right. And in my experience, it does. Well, hopefully that continues to be the case and we get another great Sonic game. Yeah, that, that's the hope, right? So we're going to transition to another kind of AAA, but like maybe like a more of a double A okay. style of game, and that is... Prince of Persia Lost Crown. Yeah. So that was announced during Summer Game Fest, and I'm bringing up some particulars here. But yeah, the Lost Crown, it's coming out January 18th. Okay. Oh, by the way, we, we, we haven't been giving like the dates here. So Sonic Superstars is coming out later this year. Okay. Mortal Kombat 1 is coming out September 19th. Yep. This is actually a 2024 game, Prince of Persia The Lost Crown, January 18th, 2024. Right. Um, yeah, they, they said that the Prince of Persia remake, the Sands of Time remake, is still on track, still going forward. Uh -huh. But in the meantime, we get a uh, new 2D Prince of Persia game. Yeah. So it, it's all three of the, the big games that we're talking about so far have been 2D versions of games that were previously 3D, which is a, an interesting Very popular line. right now, 100%. Yeah. Trying to get a little more indie with your AAAs, you know? Exactly, yeah. That's, a, that's why I brought you on, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so I'm just looking at the, the press release here, but you embody Sargon, a young gifted warrior and member of an elite group called the Immortals, to rescue uh, the prince. And uh, basically, you're going to be fighting uh, like mythical creatures. You're going to be fighting giant bosses, all these great powers. And it's a Metroidvania structure, uh -huh. which is very cool. The art style looks great. That looks fantastic. I'm, it was one of those things where I was watching it. I'm like, I think I'm looking at Prince of Persia. Yeah. But it just looks so like different enough that I wasn't 100% sure until they actually got to that screen. Yeah, and I was, I, I, I felt pretty sure, like pretty early on. I was like, yeah, there's gonna be a, uh, it's gotta be a Prince of Persia game. Yeah. But I, it, it, I'm looking forward to learning more. I'm assuming the Ubisoft press conference on, uh, I guess, Monday. Yes. Is when we will learn more. I mean, who knows? Maybe that was just the only thing they were announcing during this, but. Yeah, who knows? We'll have to see. Um, I really love that Prince of Persia is sort of coming back. I really want the remake to be happening. I am sort of worried that we're not hearing a lot about that. And if they're giving us this game by January of next year, what does that mean for the remake production? Yeah. It's kind of vanished, huh? Yeah. To, to have a whole nother game in between there and, and resources working on that, I'm just very interested to see what's going to go on. But I love that we have a new game that's coming out. I love the protagonist, like zooming out and getting kind of the first look at him, like he looks really cool. And I just want to be that guy. <laughs> well, it sounds like you will be able to be that guy. 100%. January 18th. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's coming to Switch and pretty much every other major platform. Um, same thing with Sonic Superstars. It's pretty much every major platform that's coming to. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1 is really the one that's like restrictive in its platforms because it's only new gen console, which is interesting. You think yeah. that like if it's coming to Switch, it would also be able to come to Xbox One and PS4, but it's I, I guess they're just kind of keep the Switch because it's like the hotness right now. It's like one of the top selling consoles of all time. So 100%. You want your game in the hands of as many people as humanly possible, and the Switch is a wild, wildly popular console. And Mortal Kombat and 11 was on Switch. Yeah. So it's like all right, well. That's, that's the same team that's working on that, so it makes sense. But 
we're going to transition to the part of the show where you get to where talk. Where I get to talk. You're just tired I know, of talking. I'm, just you about all this stuff. <laughs> I'm sitting I'm, here like, uh huh. Uh-huh. I mean, my my voice is already shot. I woke yeah. up this morning with the deepest oh. voice I've ever had in my life. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we got two games that you want to talk about here. I think I might have a third one. Oh. I, I'll, I'll pretend that I know it's coming to Switch. If it doesn't, cut it. We'll cut the, the game whole. that I'm most excited about that's not coming to Switch, unfortunately. Yeah. Viewfinder. Viewfinder, so good. I played that today. So much fun. It's, there's a demo on PS5, but unfortunately, I think yeah. right now it's only PS5 and PC. I think so. It seems like a natural fit for Switch. I would be shocked if it never came to Switch. Yeah, it would be great handheld just being able to, like look around while you're looking around in the game. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know, Viewfinder is... We don't really know what the setup is. They haven't really talked much about what uh, is going on narratively, but you are in this world in which you can sort of manipulate the reality of the world and by doing that, solve puzzles to get to the next area. By using like outdated technology, basically. Like you can rewind time. Yes. It looks like a VCR, like rewinding a cassette tape. And... But like the the main part of the game is like you find these photographs, like Polaroids almost, uh-huh. and you hold it up, and when you pull the trigger, wherever you're holding it up, the picture com- becomes reality yeah. basically, and you can walk through it. But um, yeah, it, I wish it was coming to Switch. It seems like such a great game. Like I, it's a trippy effect when it does do the transition into like reality. And you're like, I don't even know how they designed this. It's another one of those uh, Tears of the Kingdom like, I don't even know how the designers did this situation. 100%. And I really hope that comes to Switch. That's that's my standout of this show so far. I mean, aside well, from like... The, I've got some more for yeah, you that you might... Yeah, let's hit me. <laughs> okay, so the number one that I, I was excited about coming in but now I'm walking away like, is this going to be like a game of the year type situation for me? Is Cocoon. Okay, I want to check that out. It's so good. While I was playing it, I was actually across from like um, Sarah uh, Podolsky, if that's how you say her name, Min Max team. Yeah. Um, and while I was playing it, I was looking over her like, you need to play this game. Um, so... We saw the reveal of this, I think, last year. I was still a Game Informer, so I covered the reveal at Game Informer. You can go on Game Informer and check it out. Um, and it's a, a... Initially, we didn't really know what it was. It's a bug that pops out of a desert, and you're supposed to be carrying around orbs, and it's sort of confusing. It's being made by the dev who did... I want to say Limbo? Yeah, Limbo and Inside. And Inside, Yeah. Um, so, didn't really get it until Summer Game Fest, it shows up again, we get more sort of moment-to-moment gameplay, I'm like, oh, okay, it's like a puzzle game, and it's got, like, big brain, sort of, you are trying to get an orb from one place to another, but you can jump into the orb and jump out of it, um, but actually getting my hands on it, it feels, I, I don't even know how to explain how, it, how good it feels to play this game. Um, I don't know what's happening, and I love games where you don't know what's happening. They don't communicate anything to you in a traditional way. There's no, like, prompts or anything. But the design is so good, you know where to go, or you never go the wrong way is probably a better way to say it. Uh, because there are multiple branching paths from where you start out. You're kind of in a desert oasis. You, you play as... I think you're a bug, but I can't tell 100%. I think you everything that looks like a bug is sort of technology. It is oh, okay. it is sort of um, sci-fi. It is very sci-fi, 
uh, but with bugs. <laughs> um, it's very colorful, which I didn't expect. Yes, beautifully colored. The sound design is amazing. So you're constantly like, oh, I just walked into a bad place. I don't know what's gonna happen here. Um, but you get to like these orbs. And for anyone who hasn't seen uh, the trailers, orbs contain worlds within worlds within worlds. Okay. It is sort of like a worldception. So you jump into the world, you do whatever you're doing, you find a, like a platform that lets you jump back out of the world, and you can pick up the entire universe of that world on your back and carry it around, and it may give you the ability to get past certain obstacles or uh, reveal sort of things around you that you weren't able to see before. Uh, so for this particular demo that I played, uh, I got to a boss battle, and boss battle is really interesting because it's not really fighting combat. Mm -hmm. It's like puzzly in the way that like there's the boss who's got like the typical attacks of like I'm gonna run this way and then leave a line behind and you have to avoid that. Um, but when you get hit by the boss, you don't die. You just get kicked out of the world that you're in. Oh, okay. So you jump back in and you finish them and then when it's they're like Mario 64 where you like lose and you get pushed out of the painting. out of the painting. Exactly, 100%. And then when I defeated the boss because of course uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the boss's body like disintegrated and started orbiting around their orb world and then it gave me new powers to jump out of to do in the, in the next world which leads me to another orb which then I can jump into and then jump oh, out wow. of so it's it's a really like galaxy brain design with like it's worlds all the way down and you don't know a hundred percent what you're doing I have a sneaking suspicion you're not supposed to be doing what you're doing because the bosses um, that you're encountering are called guardians mm. and I'm like if you're killing a guardian, what are they guarding and why and why you're there and why all this technology is here and it seems like it's been abandoned and I am really excited to see what unfolds and the way that they are designing this with like literally design of every sort like visuals, audio, like game context design, like everything. I'm so, so like out of my mind with this game. That sounds amazing. Uh, I think it looks amazing. I think it looks really, really good. Like I've walked past it several times. I haven't gotten my hands on it, but I want to try it. I'm gonna try to talk to somebody, see if I can play it a little bit. But that is currently scheduled to come out in 2023. Yes. Uh, we just don't know when, correct? Yeah, we have not heard. Okay, so that is one game. The other game, Paper Trail. Yeah, Paper Trail is, um, I believe that's also this year. Um, but it is a game in which you are manipulating the world itself. It's basically, it's a hand-drawn game. And then you are solving puzzles by literally folding the quote-unquote paper that you are on and making new pathways to get through. And that's essentially it. Um, and it's... It is kind of, like it's a Netflix thing, I think. Oh, okay. So Netflix had a good presence last year too. Yeah, they're doing real good. Uh, I'll talk about another Netflix game coming okay. up, but um, yeah, I got to play it on an iPad for the first time because okay. originally when I previewed this, I did it on the computer, and that's a lot of fun. 
Uh, but there's something really cool about being able to like literally move your finger across the screen and the like world comes with it because you're like origami folding. Um, and yeah, I have been told that they are, I've never seen like a cutscene for it, so I don't know what the actual story is. But it's just, it's one of those games that you play and it seems like the task is, first it seems like it's going to be easy, like, oh, okay, I got this. And then you get to the uh, further in parts where you have to get a little more complicated and things get a little more wild. And then you're like, oh no, this is impossible. But then when you defeat the challenge, if you, when you get past whatever it is that's been bothering you, you feel so smart. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I also, there are a couple of cats scattered around the game, and you cannot pet them at the moment. Oh, come on. I know. I was very adamant that the cat petting mechanic needs to be in the game. <laughs> <laughs> when, so when is this game coming out? Do you have an idea? I think that's 2023. I would have to look, uh, look up if they have an exact date, which I'm not sure that they do. Okay. But it's coming soon, and it looks... That's on Switch, iPhone, iPad. Yeah, for Netflix, I believe it is. Just the uh, the mobile and the tablet, right? Yeah. Because I think that's the way it usually works. It only is the mobile and tablet versions that you get as a part of your Netflix subscription. So if you want the Switch version, you have to pay for it. Like that's what happened with like Outlanders, for example. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, yes, that was included with my uh, my Netflix subscription. If I wanted to play on my, no, that was maybe that's Apple Arcade that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of uh, Terra Nil. Yeah. Terra Nil, I think, is a Netflix game. Okay. So if I wanted it on my phone, I could download it through my Netflix subscription. But if I wanted it on PC, I would have to buy it. Yeah. I think that's how that it was. One of those games, Outlanders, I think, was <laughs> Apple Arcade. But if I wanted it on PC, I had to buy that. Speaking of Apple Arcade, something that did just come to Switch, um, Bleak Sword DX. Yes. I up on the uh, the Indian former. If anybody wants to check it out. Um, I got to play through a little bit of it. I have my impressions up. I absolutely love that game. It's a great game to be, like, if you're going, say, to a showcase and you're on the go and you're traveling a lot, like, it's a fantastic, just pick it up, bite-sized little diorama things and you should be playing. Almost like a stealth eShop gem of the week that you just gave Yeah, right yeah, there. snuck it in. <laughs> <laughs> that did just come out on Switch. Uh, it's, it has been on Apple Arcade for a, a, a while. I actually do want to check it out. I, I did get a code for that, so I want to play it. It's just been with what time, right? Yeah, I know. Um, so you said you had one more for us from the, the, the yeah. Netflix stable. So let me know if this is, you probably know just off the top of your head if this is a Switch thing. But I got to check out, I, I played this before, but I played a new demo of Oxenfree 2. Yeah, I believe that is coming to Switch. Okay, perfect. Then I'll go ahead and talk about it. Um, yes, it is coming to Switch on July 12th. July 12th, it is. <laughs> it is very, very soon. It's fantastic. Uh, obviously sequel to the original Oxenfree. They are keeping the, the game's sort of core there. So you've got uh, Night School, who is very good at the kind of bantery, dialogue, witty, like more witty than you'd ever come up with in person. And they're actually owned by Netflix now, right? Yes, like they, they, it's it not was, just a studio that's like getting published by Netflix. They were acquired by they Netflix. They were acquired. That and was when like it was like, okay, Netflix is getting serious yeah. about gaming. And I was wondering, yeah, that was a whole thing. But, and, and whether or not now that uh, Oxen Free counts as an indie, like that's a question that comes up. There are up, so many but... things. It's like, you know, Ubisoft publishes indie games sometimes. Yeah. EA publishes indie games. It's like, it, it's kind of like a feeling more than yeah. like an actual funding. And I think too, because Oxen Free 2 started out 
and they were making that game beforehand. I am going to include it in my my camp. Um, That's entirely fair. So you were saying about <laughs> the, the banter. Yeah. So um, still fantastic banter, more witty than you'll ever be in your entire life. Like if I could speak half that intelligently, like and funnily, I I would, but I can't, as you can tell. You put my podcast out of business. <laughs> Um, I, I can't either. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, just, but also, like, really relatable. They're talking about, like, normal human, like, conditions and things that worry you, things that, you know, go on in your life. But the, the setup here, if anyone didn't play the first game, um, there were some weird anomalies happening with frequencies and things that a bunch of high schoolers went to an island that has some mysteries going on and they start messing around with that and they sh probably shouldn't have um, and things just get real weird mm. uh, real weird and then like it dips into like actually traditionally very very creepy um, so they keep that fun core of like oh we're just talking and we're <laughs> bantering and uh, I've got a fun quip and then like I think maybe five minutes into the demo, there was someone like who was dead looking at me, like bury me. And I'm like, no, okay, wow. that's where we're going on this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if you're um, not that into horror, maybe this like think about playing it. But the new setup is that there's whatever like anomalies that were happening in the original island are starting to spread outwards and starting to affect the world at large and people are starting to take notice so you have some researchers that are popping up on the island to sort of see what's going on and that's where you start the demo uh that was at summer game fest um you it, i got to play the tutorial which is nice because the last time i played i just jumped into the middle i had to figure it out um but you are essentially meeting your partner for the first time, uh, Jacob Summers, and he's gonna be with you the whole time, getting up to the top of a mountain, trying to plant like a transmitter so that you can see the, what's going on, and everything seems pretty normal up until that point, but you plant it, and like a giant beam of light shoots out of it, and then just like frequencies, and then you hear the, the whole, um, can't escape yes I think is the phrase I'll have to look it up but like that's what originally starts all of the things that happened in the first game and like anyone who's played the first game will be like oh no it's happening again <laughs> um, and the person who's on the radio with us who's like our boss who's been telling us to do this is like shut it off shut it off like something terrible is happening we don't know the trailers are very haunting it's very haunting is a great word <laughs> Uh, for other things that I've played, I've actually gone into it a little bit more, and there this time around is really fun because you have like terrors in reality, so you are literally stepping into like time travel and going back in time to like fix like if there's a door that isn't open, you can like do that and then jump back in. But yeah, it's all like your your it's all about frequencies and radio waves, so like you'll get. Um, You'll get voices coming over the radio that you don't know, and they seem to know you, and there's like a warning, but you don't know what the warning's about, and it's, it always is on the tension level of creepy, mm -hmm. and then it like, like plummets to absolute 
freaky. Okay. And then you're back originally. Like one of my original things was like, you're just walking underground and there's like an underground river and you look over and for a split second, you just see your own dead body floating in it. And then it disappears. Jeez. And you're like, oh, okay. So maybe we should have started with this and ended with Sonic Superstar. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> warm and fuzzy. Um, we don't want anyone warm and fuzzy yeah. here. <laughs> well, the uh, the gore is going to keep on coming. Well, Oxenfree 2 comes out July 12th, as yep. I had mentioned before. Uh, we are now going to throw to these two interviews, with you know, barring any technical problems with the interviews. Um, so I hope you enjoy this. The first one is going to be with Ed Boon, co-creator of the Mortal Kombat franchise, director of Mortal Kombat 1. And then after that, we're going to transition directly into an interview with Sonic Team's Takashi Azuka to talk about Sonic Superstars. So we're going to throw to that right now. I hope you enjoy it, and we will be right back. We're now talking with Ed Boon, uh, director of Mortal Kombat 1, co-creator of the franchise. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join us today. Um, I guess starting first things first, like what was the overall concept of like what you wanted to do with Mortal Kombat 1 when like the project was first getting underway? We really felt that when Mortal Kombat 11 ended, as far as story-wise and as far as the, 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 you know, the features that we've added, that you know, we were getting the feeling that we wanted to, to, to we wanted it to start over in, in, in a number of ways. Um, story, gameplay, new, uh, you know, new Unreal, and, and all that. So there was a, a massive reboot. And so from that standpoint, everything just started being reinvented as far as all the elements of the game. And, and that really kind of lended itself to, let's start calling this game Mortal Kombat 1. It'll really, really communicate that this is not a continuation, per se, of, of all the stories that were in Mortal Kombat 11. And so it's, it literally starts with a big bang, the creation of the universe that you, Liu Kang started. And um, all these familiar characters that you've known, new origins being retold to them, different, different relationships, you know, Raiden, is no longer a god. He's he's you know he's a guy working in the field, and um, so it's really cool to see that these new characters told, being told um, in a story that 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 we're we're just reintroducing them all over again. And this isn't the first time you've reintroduced your entire cast of characters. You know, following Armageddon, we got MK9, exactly, yeah. and now we're doing kind of a the reboot, but in a different way because it seems like Liu Kang still has all the knowledge of what was going yeah. on. Yeah. He's but the only one who's carrying else. everything over, right, right, right. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting you said that because we kind of, when, we, when I look back, we, we've kind of done that um, at a high level, like Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3, and a little bit of 4 were kind of like contained in the cells. They were the arcade games, and they were the, the, the continuing story. Um, then when we went to directly to the console versions, it was like, Deadly Alliance, Deception, Armageddon were the kind of things, and then, then we kind of rebooted after that. And MK9, X, and 11 was kind of like a, you know, so they're like these, you know, three-part stories that we're doing. And so this one, Mortal Kombat 12, in a sense, we thought, okay, let's really start over again, and to the point where let's call it Mortal Kombat 1. So it's kind of like our our fourth, um, fourth, uh, 
kind of a new story to tell. Clean slate. Yeah, exactly. and you know that's the thing about Mortal Kombat is like it feels like it's kind of the uh, the the forerunner of all of these story modes that we're seeing in all the fighting games now. You know, Street Fighter Six does some cool stuff with story. It was doing it with Five before that. Tekken is really going in like on the story modes. Why do you think it's so important to have these really like fleshed out story modes? Um, I do feel that as, as much fun as it is, you know, the main draw with fighting games is playing with your friends or playing somebody online. There is a certain percentage of the audience that is just intimidated by that. They go online, they get their butt kicked, and, and they, it's just intimidating from there. So that was really like the, one of the main motivations of doing the, the story mode in general that we introduced with Mortal Kombat versus DC, right? Mm -hmm. and, and have been doing ever since. Um, so, and at the same time, it really makes the uh, players feel more invested in a character. They've seen them, they've seen their origin, they connect with them more. Uh, we did a little bit in the arcade games, but we really leaned into it with uh, the more recent titles. Uh, and I think that that's been something that's almost like synonymous with our games, these really deep high production story presentations. Yeah, and it, the interesting thing about this is that you know we have different versions of familiar characters, like Liu yeah. Kang's now the fire god. Exactly. How do you take these characters and make it so like, oh, this is still the character that I know and love, and it's not like, but it's like a fresh take on them, but it's not like a bridge too far. Like maybe somebody's gonna come into it and be like, all right, well, zombie Liu Kang was just a little bit like too far for me, but fire god Liu Kang still feels, and it seems like a really cool character. Like. How do you balance that against player expectations? Yeah, your, your description of what it is is, is, is very accurate. It's, it's familiar characters and a brand new story, brand new introduction. And um, to me, that balance is, okay, if you see this yellow ninja that you've known all along, he's Scorpion, um, he's, you know, Sub-Zero and him have had this, you know, terrible, you know, adversarial relationship. Let's twist it up so it's a brand new story. They're brothers, but you um, so you see these characters that you're, you're you feel comfortable with, but it's a brand new story, and that to me is the balance: is familiar characters, brand new story. That's awesome. And the thing that we're also seeing with familiar characters is the cameo fighters. You know, we're seeing a lot of like classic versions. Yeah of these characters, like Sonya Blade looks straight out of MK1, yeah. and uh, the original MK1, you know yeah, what I yeah, meant. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Mortal Kombat 1992. Yes, yeah. and so I guess what was the idea, like, what's, what's the story reason, what was the like the design reason for having like the, these be like the classic versions of these characters instead of like a modern version? Um, we really consider the, the cameo characters as kind of outside of the story. It, that's all, it, it's all um, for gameplay mechanic, and it's all for like a novelty factor. Like we really wanted to, we're gonna be bringing back some really obscure characters that you haven't seen as cameo characters, that you haven't seen in a long time that might be impossible to do as a main fighter. And, um, but their appearance and the, 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 the usefulness that they are in the, in, the, in the fighting mechanic is gonna be huge. And I'm really excited about that mix of, you know, your, your story roster characters, those are the main fighters, and then the, the, the cameo characters are kind of like the nostalgia, novelty, you know, old memories of Mortal Kombat kind of brought into the mix. And how do you go about, because, like, you know, balancing a fighting game roster, I can't even imagine how difficult that is to make sure one character isn't super powerful, one character super useless, they all kind of rock, paper, scissors each other in certain ways. 
now you add like cameo fighters. How do you make sure that Kano is not super overpowered, or like there's some exploit where you can have like the timing of his cannonball and yeah. like how, yeah. what is that process like now? Uh, well, a lot of the process is a ton of work from our our QA department. They 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 they've uncovered an unbelievable amount of things that we need to address. Um, but then we also kind of fly in like these pro players, the ones who have been winning Evos and and and, and combo breakers and all of those um, fighting game tournaments and get their hands on it as early as possible to let them you know tear it apart and basically you know you know show all of the areas that we need to kind of balance and do work on yeah it just seems like so many moving parts with this game oh, yeah. in particular like i i just was playing with the cameos it's like oh my gosh like this could easily be exploited if not balanced very meticulously yeah. When you look at like kind of the state of fighting games in 2023, like how do you, like it seems like we're having kind of like another renaissance. Like you look at back in like MK9 and Street Fighter 4 coming out around the same time, like that seemed like it kicked off like a 2D fighting renaissance. And now it seems like we're kind of like, all right, we have Tekken 8 coming, we have just got Street Fighter 6, we have a whole bunch of other great fighting games that look amazing. Like how do you assess the state of the genre right now? To me, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the, 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 the planets circling the sun, like every once in a while they just line up, right? Like, like I don't think I ever can remember a major entry from Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, and Tekken all within this window, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is really a, a special time with it. Um, I'm, I can't wait to play Street Fighter. I, I, I don't have time at the, at the moment, but um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to playing both those games. And um, it's just a great time to be a, a fighting game fan. Absolutely. And this game coming to new gen consoles, but also Switch, which sometimes the Switch gets left in the dust with a lot of these, uh, these franchises. Were there any concessions that needed to be made? Like, uh, the game looks great playing on a PS5 like we just did, but like, how is this game going to run on Switch? Well, the, the developer that we've worked with, um, doing, they, they did uh, Mortal Kombat 11 on, on, on the Switch for us. And so they know our, our systems, they know areas where we can make uh, you know, adjustments to accommodate the, 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 the different hardware and all that stuff. So we're in a constant process of you know, negotiating of like, okay, if we, you know, we can take this away and then it'll run at frame rate. We, we really need it to run at 60 frames a second, you know, all these characters on the screen at the same time. So it's gonna be, it's definitely a challenge, but we're, we're very, uh, we're very excited with what you know the direction it's going so far. And do you um, do you think that there's it's, it's, it's going to be local? It's not going to be like a cloud version or anything like that. Oh yeah, yeah, it'll be local. Yeah, okay, great. I mean, we've seen a lot of developers take the cloud route. It feels yeah. like ah, I'm just yeah. going to play it on PS5 instead. Yeah, you know what? Exactly. Um, and in terms of like kind of getting these uh, these characters into the game, you know, now we kind of the cameo fighters do their own fatalities as well. Yeah. Is there a favorite classic fatality that you have that like? Whether it's in MK1 or not, like just an overall favorite classic fatality. Um, I like uh, the. Um, I'm trying to see if I if I'm gonna be like you know revealing something that I shouldn't. Um, I, there, there's a number of the classic fatalities. Uh, you know, Sub Zero's. You know, I think the the the, the spine rip one is the one that's become synonymous with the first Mortal Kombat game, and you know, so seeing. You know, updated versions of these of these uh, kind of classic ones is always, to me, is part of the fun, the novelty of that. You know, Sonya blowing the kiss, Sub Zero doing the, and and so, uh, 
most, if not all, of the of the cameos will have that nostalgic fatality. You saw Jacks getting big up <laughs> <and> there. <laughs> there yeah, so. And it's, it's amazing how they still hold up after all these years. We've talked a few times about like kind of like the, the different beats that each fatality has to have, and that didn't seem like that was necessarily the case in the very early days, yeah. where it's like yeah. you know Scorpion just reveal, re removes the mask and torches the guy. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it seems like there's a lot more. Uh, artistic liberties taken yeah. with the, the fatalities. But you still, like, when you see these classic fatalities, they still hold up so well, even when stacked against the Katana's fans, yeah, yeah. just like, blender, yeah. Blender, yeah. <laughs> it's just wild to see that, like, these stand shoulder to shoulder each other and still hold up after all these years. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so, and, like, that's the, the thing about Mortal Kombat in general, is it's still going strongly, like, more than 30 years later, and it's still a relevant fighting franchise, still one of the top fighting franchises out there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. Um, 30 years and, you know, the, 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 the crazy thing about it to me is also is, is 9, X, and 11. You know, 9 was the biggest selling one, then 10 broke that record, then 11 broke, the, you know, so... You know, it puts a lot of pressure on this game, but but you know, to me, the the, the I don't know how many franchises their last entrances entries, you know, few, several entries are the the biggest ones. So that's that's pretty that's pretty cool. And I guess like, how do you even like continue to one up the story each time? Like, I mean, literally, spoiler alert for MK11, the universe ended. Right, <laughs> like you, right. it, it, like we had a game called Armageddon where the that timeline basically came to an end. Everybody yeah. died yeah. canonically. Yeah. <laughs> So how do you continue that and like make it so like you can kind of return to the grounded root while yeah. also keep building upon it? Between revenants and different realms and time jumps, deaths in Mortal Kombat don't necessarily mean you're never going to see that character again. Uh, they're, they're, they're big deals, but, they're, but they're, it's not like, you know, well, I'm never going to see Liu Kang again, right? You know, we, 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 we've seen him return. so. Um, it's 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 just a lot of fun though in terms of just you know just let's tell this story let's tell that story so and are you taking any inspiration from the movie now because like you know the movie seemed like it was fairly successful um, you know I think we consider the movie's timeline independent of its own or the movies I guess there have been yeah. there have been a few movies and um, the animated series has has some uh, of its own the games have theirs of its own so i don't think any of them needs to worry about you know what happened in the other one uh, to be consistent uh, so i think i think we're kind of like forging our own our own kind of well, i just meant like in terms of like tone in terms of anything like i know obviously the movie took a lot from the games but is there any like kind of reverse inspiration yeah there there there's there certainly were some some moments that i thought were were great and um i don't know if they directly affected like the decisions that we've made but um they, they, I, I thought all of them certainly the um the, the the more recent movies and the 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 the, the animated features as well have had some great moments that we've been like oh that would be cool if we did that i always loved how sub-zero in the the most recent live action film almost seemed like a an 80s horror movie villain. Yeah, where he's just yeah. Like a slasher, just kind of, you see him walking up. Exactly. Like, yeah. Everybody's running and he's walking. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's so menacing. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the great successes of that movie, I thought. Uh, but yeah, I, I thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Uh, MK1 feels and it, it looks great in motion. Like, I, I can't wait to play more of it and see how this roster fills out also. I'm a big fan of like, the classic characters, so I'm like really like crossing my fingers on a couple of those characters. Thanks, yeah, we appreciate you checking it so much. Have a great rest of your summer game fest.
now joined by Sonic Team Chief Creative Officer Takashi Azuka. Uh, I guess congratulations on the reveal of Sonic Superstars. I, I got a chance to play it. I, I had a really great time playing uh, through parts of the game. Uh, I guess overall, what was the main reason that you wanted to return to a 2D game with modernized visuals? So, Sonic Mania and Sonic Origins. っていうあの2Dのソニックタイトルを出してきましたけどもま、どちらもあのドット絵を使ったそのレトロ感覚のゲームだったんですけどもやはりあの2Dソニックっていうゲームプレイをこう子供たちとかあの今のゲーマーの
So yeah, Sonic 4 was really taking that 2D classic kind of gameplay and modernizing it. And we wanted to bring in the modern character and really create even the physics really were more representative of a modern Sonic game, uh, something like the, uh, the Advance series, mm. something like a Sonic Advance series. But we didn't want to do like a modern Sonic 2D game. We wanted to go back and really capture that classic Sonic feel, uh, that touch and feel of the classic Sonic series. That was really the core of the idea behind creating this game. So the first thing that we did was go in and really make sure the classic physics were there, the classic animation looked correct, and all that classic, uh, you know, the roots were there to create the game. And, you know, the, the, the classic series is very straightforward in a lot of ways, but this pays homage to that with the, the physics and like the way the gameplay feels, but then there's all these new ideas in there. So can you talk to me about like the ideation process and like how you came about deciding like how far to really take the innovations and, and kind of stretching it to, to include like new powers, new gameplay opportunities and new environmental objects to like, how did that uh, process and the creative, the creative process go for that? Creative process. So, this is the, あの、ま、先ほども話しましたけど、確実にクラシックソニックのフィジックスを再現するっていうところから始まって、で、それが実現できたっていう段階から、so yes, as I mentioned before, it really started with recreating those classic physics and making sure the game had the classic physics in there. Uh, that's where everything started. And after we got the physics working right, we said, okay, now we need to work on the level design because the level design is very specific and we needed it to feel like a classic game from a level de design standpoint. So after studying the level design, after getting the physics in, and both of those were working well together, then we started saying, okay, now what can we do new and how can we implement that in? The biggest thing I think is probably the emerald powers. Uh, first of all, I guess, do you have a favorite emerald power? And uh, how did you go about deciding which emerald powers to include in the game? そう、あの、yeah, so when we thought about creating new actions and really new character actions, uh, the first thing, one of the ideas that came to mind was emerald powers. Up until now, you've only been able to really achieve something after you've gotten all seven of the emeralds. But we wanted to say, like, how can we reward someone for getting just one? And if we reward someone for getting just one, you know, that will kind of motivate people to get each individual one and see what they are. Uh, so part of like the new actions, the new ideas, and how the Emerald Powers kind of started was in that process of trying to get people to get excited about getting each individual Emerald and motivating them to collect them all. 
あの新しいアクションを得るのもやはりすごく慎重に考えまして例えばそのエメラルドソニーエメラルドパワーを使わないとクリアできないようなそういうステージ構成にしてしまうとそのクラシックソニックとしての遊びがだいぶスポイルされてしまう別のゲームになってしまうんですねだそういうところに気をつけながらそのエメラルドパワーはあくまでもそのアディショナルなアクションとして楽しめてまあ普通にエメラルドパワーがなくても今まで通りのクラシックソニックとして遊べるっていうようなゲームデザインを心がけています。Yeah, and we really wanted to make sure this felt like a classic Sonic game.、Uh, and if we're going to actually have a new action enter into the classic format,、uh, we really need to think hard about what it is that we're creating and adding new to the series.、Uh, and that's kind of where the Emerald powers, you know, came into play. Is if we add them in and we say. Uh, the Emerald Powers are going to be required in order to beat the game. You need the Emerald Powers in order to pass this level or、uh, defeat this boss. It kind of ruins and spoils all of the fun classics on a gameplay that we want everyone to enjoy, and it turns it into a different kind of game. So, part of you know, what they were thinking about uh, when uh, creating. Hold on. Oh, yeah, it becomes kind of a different game. So, in order to really make the most of the Emerald Powers, we wanted to have these be additional actions and additional things that you could do if you got the Emeralds that weren't necessarily required in order to beat the game.、Uh, and anyone who can play the game can still play it just as Sonic without acquiring any, any of the、uh, Emeralds and using any of the Emerald Powers.、Now、I'm assuming that when you collect all seven Emeralds, you become Super Sonic. Is Supersonic handled as an Emerald Power or is it a separate thing altogether? Supersonic, well, I'm not sure. Supersonic's details are not going to be able to do it. But the Emerald Power is going to be able to do it. The player is going to be able to do it. The player is going to エメラルドパワーを使うこともできるし、まあ、スーパーになることもできる。So I don't want to get into too many details about Supersonic at, at the time,、uh, but I do want to say that we're allow, you know, the players will be able to choose what Emerald Power they use at any time during the game. So even after you collect all seven of the Emeralds, you'll be able to still select whatever Emerald Power you want to use at whatever time,、uh, including maybe a Supersonic Power. And you, have, you and I have been talking for a long time over the years. Like, I, the, our first interview was in 2015. It feels like the franchise was in a much different place back then. And now, like, you know, you fast forward eight years, eight and a half years, and it, it seems like it's in a much better place these days. Is that kind of your assessment of the state of the Sonic franchise as well? So, I was in Los Angeles あの悪かった時期なんですねでそこから、まあ、立て直すためにロサンゼルスに来ましてあの今あの一緒にアメリカでやってる仲間たちと一緒にこうソニックを盛り上げていこうという取り組みをしてきましたけども、まあ、それはあのすごくあの構想してあのゲームもアニメもあと映画もですねあのすごくいい感じであの広がってると思います。So, yeah, I moved to Los Angeles seven years ago, and seven years ago, you know, Sonic was in a really hard place.、Uh, but 
you know, I came to Los Angeles to help the team kind of rebuild and bring Sonic back. That's what everyone wanted to do, is take us from that hard place and bring Sonic back to where Sonic uh, always has been. Uh, and we feel like we've done it, not only with games, with TV shows, but even with the movies. We've really, you know, revitalized Sonic. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. You look at kind of the state it was when we had our first interview in 2015, you know, the article that came out was, you know, where Sonic went wrong was the name of the article. And it was kind of like a, a, a tale of like, a, kind, of a, like kind of a roller coaster of a franchise and talking about the future as almost like this hopeful thing. Like we hope we can turn it around. We hope it's going to be like a bright future. And then now it feels like we're in that future. You know, you see uh, Sonic Frontiers released last year to, to very good reviews. A lot of fans really love that. And you have two number one movies. You've had a very successful Netflix show. Sonic Boom ended its run after a very successful. The, the comics are doing great. And now you have Sonic Superstars. Like, it, it seems like all of the things that you were hoping to accomplish back then have kind of come to fruition. あの、まさにあの、7年前から想像つかないぐらい、あの、すごくあの、ソニックいいモードになってますし、あの、ま、それもあって、その今回ソニックスーパースターズでは、その2Dのゲームプレイもこうよりあの、ワイドなオーディエ
But for Sonic Superstars, we still wanted to go back to like the origins of Sonic. Uh, and that's why we're working with Naoto Oshima. Uh, I'm sure you know who he is. Uh, but you know, working with Naoto Oshima, and it's really a collaboration with Izuka-san, with Oshima-san, and a lot of other people who were there and created those original Sonic games. That's the, the core. Maybe it's the superstars behind the game who are creating and uh, uh, really delivering that classic experience. And what is it like to collaborate with Oshima-san again? After all, all these years, so many years. Like, it, Sonic, was Sonic Adventure 1 the, first, the last game he worked on in the franchise? Yes, exactly. Wow. So what is it like to kind of be working with him again? あの、it happened to just be wonderful timing. Izuk-san at that time uh, really wanted to upgrade that 2D classic gameplay and create something new. Uh, and around that time, Oshima-san said like, hey, So yeah, during the Corona, virus lockdown, uh, Oshima-san said, hey, Yusuke-san, we should get on Zoom and have a drinking party together. They did, you know, started drinking, chatting, uh, and, uh, you know, had the conversation about, hey, we want to, you know, bring back a, a classic Sonic game. And in that drinking party, Oshima-san said, I really, really want to get involved, you know, let's get together and let's make this happen. And that's kind of how it all, you know, kicked off. It's got to be very valuable. And I think that, like, it shows in the way the game plays. You know, I spent a lot of time with the game, and I had a really great time with it. And I was, you know, obviously coming coming into it, I'm like, okay, well, it looks good in motion. How does it play? And I think that it passed the test for sure in terms of like how it feels and how it plays, how the levels are designed. So uh, I guess congratulations on on this collaboration with Oshima-san again, and also uh, putting together a game that feels like it's going to be very good. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, yeah, looking forward to playing it. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of Summer Game Fest. All right, I hope you enjoyed those interviews. Uh, Jill, is there anything else we need to know about your time in Summer Game Fest before we wrap up here? Uh, yeah, uh, go to theindieformer.com. I've got uh, wrap-ups for basically all the indie showcases. So many amazing things that we didn't get to talk about or maybe that aren't coming to Switch. Uh, are up there, please check them out. Um, I'm also, I just started up a Patreon. And, hey. and just for everybody listening, special. Um, I have sort of hinted that a special voice might be joining the Indian former team. Ooh. Uh, and that's going to be particularly interesting for perhaps this particular audience. Oh, okay. So everybody, go ahead and check it out if you're at all interested. But definitely look at the website and, and make sure to just keep up with all the indie games that are going on. Absolutely. Maybe we should have chosen a different time than 
the beginning of Los Angeles rush hour. Yeah. 100%. As you can hear, the cars starting to get more and more. They're prevalent. excited. They're going to Game and the, the Game the Informer. They're going to the Indian Informer. <laughs> But thank you so much for joining me for this episode, Jill. Thanks for grabbing me. And thank you so much for everyone for listening. Do me a favor if you haven't already, throw All Things Nintendo a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Hit that subscribe button. And if you want to get in touch with any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me at allthingsnintendo at gameinformer.com or send me an Instagram DM at Brian P. Shea. You can also join the Game Informer community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel, even just for one month. Jill, I know you already plugged the Indian Informer, but uh, tell people where to find you on social media. Yeah, so the Indian Informer is across all social medias at this point, but the main one that you can find me on is Twitter, so check me out at, uh, at Finrun, F-I-N-R-U-I-N, and the Indian Informer at, at Indie underscore Informer. All right, that is our show for this week. Thank you all again so much for listening. Take care. We will see you next time. Bye.